When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Hey, welcome everybody. It's another edition of Turning Two with Booney. I'm the executive producer of the Boone Podcast, Rich Herrera, joined by the Gold Glover, the uh, the inspiration for millions around the world. Uh, Silver, I don't know, whatever. What else, what else? What else should I? What else should I say about you today, That's Booney? That's plenty, Herrera. That is plenty. What's going on? Um, listen, I'm just happy to be here. I'm back. Went on a little vacation. If you see. I bought myself a Bob Boone lid on my trip to Anaheim to see the Angels. Um, and I was thinking about a young Brett Boone running around the Big A, terrorizing ticket takers, ushers, grounds crew, visiting teams, and and all the rest. It was kind of cool when we walked through. I didn't realize. I didn't know this. I, I, I think I did, but I had forgotten that, Bob, your father's handprints were in the cement outside the front of the stadium underneath the big hats. Yeah, that's one of the at the big A. Well, it used to be the big A. Uh, it's a pretty cool feature, I think. And and I had no idea. My my daughter uh, years ago, she just sent me this this picture of my dad's handprint, and I thought, what is that in front of the the family house that I grew up in? I had no idea where it came from. She goes, "No, oh, Dad, that's a that's at the Angel Stadium." I said, "Get out of here!" I didn't know that. And then the other day, you were there. You went on a trip there. You sent it to me as soon as you sent it. I knew exactly where you were. It, it was it was pretty cool to see Bob and I. And, I, and the only reason I'm friends with you is because I'm such a big Bob Boone fan, without a doubt. Without uh, a doubt. I told you that when we first met. You know, the only reason I'm talking to you is because Bob was one of my favorite players as a kid growing up. What do you remember about running around the Big A as a little kid? Well, actually, you you were you were a little bit older when you guys moved out from from Jersey, right? I was a little bit older, you know, I was getting, let's see, I was, it was just my sophomore year in high school. Okay. So I was getting out of that age of, I had to go to the ballpark with dad all the time. I was, I was kind of getting into my own baseball and, you know, social activities, girls, and I had stuff to do, but, uh, actually it was fun for me. I got a job on the, uh, on the visiting side, uh, visiting clubhouse. Just doing what bat boys do, clean the shoes, wash the laundry. And then and then uh, three or four nights a week, I was the ball boy down the right field line, which I loved because I would just sit there and talk to fans and, and warm up Reggie Jackson in right field occasionally, throw one over his head. He got pissed. I threw my arms up like, what do you want me to do? You're playing catch with a 15-year-old. 
So that that's my memories of Anaheim Stadium and and when Dad played there. But uh, they had some they had some great teams. You know, I remember Bobby Gritch. Love watching Bobby Gritch play. Let's see, Carew was at first. Doug DeSensei is at third. It was a combo of Foley at short, right, and the Rooster. Yeah, uh, Burleson. Yeah. Freddie Lynn, when we first got there, was a center fielder. Reggie and Reggie. Wright, uh, Don Sutton on the hill. McCask McCaskill later in my dad's career was there. Uh, someone who we just had on the podcast, Chuck Finley. Chuck lefty. Finley. Um, yeah, so I, I, I got good memories. Would you? Because you grew up going to the ballpark, just running around, right? Whether it was right. in Philadelphia or... Um, or Anaheim would, would Aaron tag along? Yeah, Aaron would. Aaron, Aaron's more formidable years were when when Dad uh, got traded to the Angels because Aaron was a little bit older. In Philly, you know, Dad started taking me right at probably five. I started right. going to the ballpark and up. You know, I moved after I was thirteen or fourteen, so Aaron was nine, ten. So a lot of Aaron's uh, years that I had in Philadelphia. Those were Aaron's years in Anaheim. So he'd go to the ballpark all the time with dad. That's that's a special time that, that I have in my life and, and getting a little bit older now looking back on it. Those, those are some really cool years that, that at the time as little kids, we take for granted and think, oh, you know, every kid gets to do this. But when you look back, it's awesome. Um, the kids today, and I encourage players today, current players. I said, you know what? If you can get your kid to the ballpark, you can't get the experience I got because they don't allow that anymore. Insurance and, and liability. you would run around on the field. Oh, I'm shagging flies. I'd be taking infield with the team when I was seven years old. <laughs> uh, you can't do that anymore. Ruley Carpenter's Phillies. He was pretty laxed on the rules as far. It was basically you had to self-regulate. Uh, so the, right. so whoever the son was, it's like you got to determine whether your son can handle sitting at a big at a big league field at shortstop during batting practice. If you deemed he could handle it, well then you're fine. And if he if he gets hit in the face, well then you're you deal with it. Not like that anymore. But I always encourage players, if you can get your kids out to the ballpark, uh it's it's it turns into a special memory because because I'm living proof years later that that those are some of the the fondest times uh especially in my childhood but pretty awesome pretty fortunate. Because each of the Boone boys kind of grew up in a different ballpark. You grew up in Philadelphia. Aaron's formative years were at the Big A. And then Matthew, your youngest brother, right. really spent a lot of time in Kansas City. Yeah, Matty was you know, he's 10 years younger than myself. So uh, dad, late in dad's career, he went to Kansas City. And that was Matthew's time. Right. You know, and there's still there's pictures of Matthew Bat Boy and for the Royals and when my dad and, and into my dad's managerial years. Really? Uh, Matthew, uh, you know, shaking hands with George Brett as he comes in after hitting a home run. And and Maddie has a lot of fond memories from those Kansas City years. So, yeah, pretty unique in, in our family just because of the dispersity of, of the years. You know, Aaron being four years younger than me and Matthew being 10. We all got uh, a similar experience, but in a different venue. But in your own way. Right, right. So... I always think it's interesting of all the guests we've had on the podcast is that uh, Dusty Baker talked about seeing the Boone kids running around in Philadelphia. And that inspired him to have Darren, who's now playing professional baseball. Right. You all remember Darren running onto the field and JT Snow saving him during the World Series. But 
Dusty said he would look over there and see the Boone Boys running yeah. around with the with your little uniforms, and he said, you know, one day I want that for my boy. Yeah, it, it was kind of cool when we had Dusty, and he, and he did say that. He said, Brett, you know you're responsible for my son coming to the ballpark and almost getting run over at home plate. I said, how is that, Dusty? And he told the story. Uh, but that's cool, and, and those are things, you know uh, – not too many people get Dusty to tell a story about you, about when you were a kid, and and he was gonna uh, inspire to have his kid do what you did. I, I mean, I don't know, just just neat things like that, neat stories like that that you can't get anywhere else. Well, it's 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 funny because I keep thinking about this because I remember, your, didn't your mom have little Boone jerseys made for you boys? No, no. Who, who uh, where'd you get the jerseys? No, 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 those were Rich. That was a big deal. I mean, back then. It's like you get your uniform, and that's a big deal because you couldn't said, just call fanatics to get it. No, I said, Dad, and we're little, so right. you got it's got to fit right. And, and believe me, when I was six years old, it wasn't okay to have the the knockoff that someone that grandma or your aunt right. showed for you. I had to have Philadelphia Phillies issued uniforms. They got to be just like. The players, because if they're not, I'm embarrassed I, because I wanted to be one of the guys. So I I remember when dad ordered me my first uniform and there was a clubhouse guy. His name was Kenny Bush, legendary in Philadelphia. And Kenny was he, he looked like he was the meanest man in the world, but he really had a heart of gold. But he would every day look at me. What do you want? You know, he'd give me that look. And I'd be like, hey, Kenny, I was just wondering if my uniform came in yet. He's like, I'll tell you when it when it comes in. Uh, he was that type of guy. He was awesome. But I remember when I got my first uniform, I tried it on. I'm like, this is great. So we went on the road. Dad took me on a road trip. I said, Dad, I need a road uni. And he's like, you you have one uniform, one uniform. Pete Rose Jr., when Pete got traded to the Phillies, uh, Petey Jr. came over. And I'll tell you what, you talk about – he spoiled it for the rest of us because he came in. He had two home uniforms, two road unis. He had the practice, everything team issued. And I'm there over there slumming it with one home uniform that I'm wearing on the road. And, uh, yeah, I didn't appreciate that. But, no, that, that, that's what it was like for me as a kid. Well, because there's that one great photo. I think it's you and Aaron and your dad, and you're all in the Philly pinstripes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool one. And And – uh, who is in that one? Is is Grandpa in it? No, no I, there's one that I see. It's black and white, and it's you. And oh, it's me, Mom, Aaron, and yeah, and, uh, yeah, and myself, or and Dad. Yeah. And there's another one though. There's another one floating around that's pretty cool. It's Dad, myself, and Ray. A, me and Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Dad, Ray, Aaron, and myself. And it was an old timers game. Gramps is in his Boston uniform. They right. used to do that. They used to do that back in the day, especially in Philadelphia. They'd bring old timers, and it didn't matter if you were a Red Sox. Gramps would show up in his Red Sox unit. It's like any old timer that wants to come can come play. That was pretty cool. That I did I didn't know that story about, yeah. about your grandfather. Oh yeah, Gramps is out there ripping it. But at the time he's probably in his mid fifties. Right. Uh yeah. So he he Well, you he tell the story. You've never told this on the podcast before. You would show up. You, you were over at his house for some reason. You just kind of alluded to it, and you would tell him, um, let, let's play, and you'd have on catcher's gear or something like that. Over at his house in San Diego, and this is I'm probably one, two okay. years old. And it, Because early in my life, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. I'm talking about from, from the time I was born until I was three or four because mom and dad – we're married. Dad was at Stanford. 
Uh, and then dad was straight into the minor leagues. So I spent a lot of time with my grandpa and I remember the stories. I've got the videos, I've got the pictures, but they're all on V on VCR. So I've got to get them changed over, but I got cool stuff. I've got me and grandpa mowing the front lawn, me hitting in the front yard when I'm probably nine or 10 months old. And uh, we've got videos of it. And really, that, you're making me think about it. I want to I want to get all that. All right. There's uh, a sponsor somewhere transfer. in here that I think could could, could transfer <laughs> those over for us because, you know, the game has changed. Like I was watching the other day, uh, the ticker on MLB on MLB uh, television and a couple of players are out in paternity leave. And I remember I was thinking and it just immediately made me think of the story of your dad getting grief because he wasn't there when Matthew was born because it was the all-star game. Right. Because players didn't get to take paternity leave back in the day. Different time. You know, it's it's just a different time. Can you imagine today uh, one of the players telling his wife, well, just do it on your own. Have your brother come over or something. I got a game to play tonight. Well, okay. that's, tell the story about tell the story about that's, Bob. And, that's and how it was. Bob, Sue yeah. and Matthew. That's how it was. Uh, mom was due to to have Matthew right around the all-star break. Dad made the all-star team. It was in Seattle and he just, they made the, 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 uh, husband wife decision that how many all-star games you get to go to, you never know. It might right. be your last. So uh, you got to go Bob and you can't be missing it just because we're having a kid here. <laughs> so dad just, she said, take, take Brett with you, take Brett and Aaron. So they're out of my hair. And then my mom will fly in, and and I think both of the moms, my mom's mother and, and dad's mother, were there for the birth. And and dad, uh, dad's Ray, at the wife game. is Patsy, right? Patsy. And yeah. I remember doing an interview in Seattle, and they're like, "Well, congratulations, Bob. Uh, you just had a a son named Matthew." And he's like, "Yeah, that's great." And and I, dad told me he got a lot of backlash though from from. Uh, from that interview, like, how dare you go to the All-Star game when your wife's home having a bit? But that's how that's how it was. And, you know, it's uh, – I don't know. I, th I think it's just the way people thought then. And my, my understanding is, you know what, if mom was okay with it, because mom had to sign off on it. Right. And, and my mom, you know, was probably the most traveled baseball wife, probably – the most on the planet as we speak being right. i think she's 73 or 74 years old uh i don't know any woman on this planet currently that has seen more baseball action than sue boone and right. and that's what we call her the matriarch and uh we got to get her was, back on if, the program if so. it was okay with mom uh then i'm okay with it yeah, absolutely all right hey let's get into turning two with boone um so i'll, I'll throw this out something yes. you, they, they always say when you go to the ballpark, there's something you might see that you'll never see another time or see it for the first time or whatever. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but I got a chance. The game I saw was the Angels and the Athletics. I saw two players back-to-back -back bombs twice in the ballgame. People are going crazy. Ah. And all of a sudden, I get a text from somebody who says, you know, that's cool <laughs> what you're seeing tonight. Now, it wasn't you. It was somebody else. You know, it's cool what you're seeing tonight, but did you see this? It was a listener said, Hey, did, did you see this? Booney's done this. And yeah, they were, and, they, and all of a sudden now, uh, you, you, you're part of that lore of uh, back to back bombs. Rich, that, that, these guys, and, and I ended up checking it out. And uh, it was Aguilar and it was Rooker 
right for the A's, and they went back to back twice in the same game, first twice inning in and third game. inning. And I started getting some, you know, Twitter guys yelling at me, "Hey, Booney, you and Cameron." And I thought about it because, and and I sent Cammy a text, and I said, "That's amateur hour." Doing it in the same game, Mike try do it, right? Try doing it in the same inning, and then give me a call. Because <laughs> you guys did it in the it same. It just shows inning? it. Ju- it just yeah. It just so it when Mike and myself did it. Obviously, we knew at the end of that inning we had done something special. I mean, if you get out of the first inning, you've got two homers. Let alone your teammate has two homers as well, and he's hitting back to back with you. You know, you did something special. Uh, but the special thing that happened in that game was not that. It was Mike hit ended up hitting four that day, so which was unbelievable. I, I've never seen that. I mean, what's it happened a handful of times in the history of baseball? But I do think Mike and myself are the only two players in the history of baseball to go back to back twice in the same inning. We did it in the first inning in Chicago, I believe it was two thousand two. But uh, at the time, you, you you know it was something cool. But when something like this happens the other night in in two thousand twenty three. We're going back to back twice in the same game. That's unbelievable, let alone the same inning. So pretty cool. But yeah, I had to have a little fun with it. When anybody asked me about it, I would just respond with that's that's amateur hour. Just try doing it in the same inning. Same inning. Same that would inning. be okay. So we always do two things. That's why it's turning two with Booney. All right. So that's something I'd never seen before. Yeah, pretty what's pretty most, awesome. Pretty what's awesome. the most unusual thing that you've ever seen at a ball game? That same game. Mike Cameron hitting four home runs, four home runs. I don't know what it's in the history of the game. Maybe 11 times, maybe 13. I, I forget what it is, but that's a pretty rare occurrence. This game has been going for a long time. 150 years. It's happened this many 11. times. Yeah. And, Cam- Unbe- and Mike Unbe- Cameron was Mike Cameron was one. He of did them. it that day. I remember he hit his fourth. I couldn't believe it. Now I felt like I, I was horrible. I had two home runs, two home four runs. RBIs and Cammy hits his third. I remember I go Homer, Homer. He goes Homer, Homer. I go strikeout. He goes Homer. I go strikeout. He goes Homer. <laughs> and now I feel bad because he's got four home runs. He's got four RBIs because I'm hitting in front of him. So I either hit a home run or strike out. My last about I walk. And uh, it was it was his fifth about nobody's ever in the history of the game hit five in in right. game. And I think it was Pauly Canerco at first base. And, and I turned to him. It was a blowout game. I mean, we were killing him. And and especially then, there, there's an unwritten rule in baseball that when you're up by 10 in the eighth or ninth inning, you don't swing 3-0. And Cameron gets to 3-0, and I, I turn to Canerco. I've told this story before. I said, Paulie, if there's ever an exception to swing 3-0, I would say it was right now. And he just looked at me and he goes, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Right. And I knew Mike wasn't going to swing. He took the 3-0 fastball right down the middle. I believe he fouled the 3-1 straight back, great swing, and then the 3-2, he hit a bullet to right field. I knew running that it wasn't a home run. I knew it was going to be a line drive to the right fielder, but he lined out to the track, uh, and that would have been five. And I and I remember we had the, you know how you have the kind of the tower with the bats? Right. You kind of put them up, and he walks through his tunnel. I remember. Like the after cross the swords. Ga- yeah, after the game, we were up in the, in the White Sox clubhouse, and we did a little special for him. And everybody forgot I hit two home runs, but I, I guess it's all right. I told Cammy one day I'll flip that story around. And washed washed away in history. Yeah, Cameron's four home runs. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. That's pretty. That's pretty good. Feel good story. 
That's pretty cool. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Another feel-good story. Drew Maggi was drafted in 2010 in the 15th round by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And after toiling for 13 years in the minor leagues, got the call. Derek Shelton brought him up to the Pittsburgh Pirates 13 years down to the minor leagues. He finally makes it to the big leagues. React. Pretty awesome. I watched the at-bat. He ended up striking out. Um, but uh, that's that's it's so cool for me to see something like that. I came up. There was a teammate of mine in AAA. His name was Richie Amaral. And he played in the minor leagues for 10 years. And he was a really good player, had you know, in the PCL, he had every year he was hitting 300, 315. He finally got the call, and I think he was about 31 years old. He ends up getting five years in the big leagues, making some money. And when people always, because people like to say, oh, the athletes, they're, you know, they're, they're overpaid and this and that. People sometimes, you, you don't understand what people give up. I mean, look at this, this guy. He's 33 years old. He's been riding buses for 13 years and he finally gets his opportunity in the big leagues. That's what it's all about. Those are really cool stories because it doesn't happen. Usually in the minor league, you have an expiration date and you get to a certain time and and you're labeled. You could be labeled a a, a, career minor leaguer, a a career minor leaguer, a, 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 an organizational guy, which means, Hey, we love to have this guy around. He's a pros pro. He can help the young prospects. Uh, But that doesn't pay that well. You know, what pays well is getting to the big leagues. So not many people are willing to to use that organizational role and continue to play. They've got to get on with their life. You know, they might want to finish their education. They got to figure out how they're going to support a family. So most most guys can't hang around till they're 30 and play baseball when there's no when there's no light at the end of the tunnel and light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, big leagues to see him get his first A.B. after all that time. uh, I could imagine kids. Because imagine what it took for him to 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 be in the minor leagues, not get called. Thirteen years, all his buddies, his family. Hey, you, you gonna you gonna keep doing this? What what are we gonna move on with life? Uh, pretty cool moment. Do you remember your first AB? I do. It's on video. I watched it the other day. Uh, it was in Baltimore. John Miller with the call. Yeah, on video. What do you? What are we in the eighteen hundreds? Of course, it's on <laughs> video, Rich. Uh uh, I do remember. In the, it's back in the black and white film. I do remember it. It was uh, Arthur Rhodes, yeah. Camden Yards, who was my first minor league at bat. Arthur Rhodes, Peninsula Pilots, War really? Memorial Field. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, Arthur was my first minor league at bat, and he was my first major league at bat. Same result. No, I had a triple my first minor league at bat. I had a base hit and an RBI my first big league at bat. Were you pinch hitting? And then Arthur and myself were were uh, teammates years later. No, no. You started? Started. Arthur was uh, a starter at that time. Okay. He wasn't a reliever. He was a starter for the Orioles. What do you remember most about that? How? How? I mean, I, I watched Maji. I watched Maji get in the box, and and you could tell <laughs> there was a moment. 
Um, he got in there. The ovation was tremendous. The support I think he's got around baseball was tremendous. Um, he did get he did get a pitch clock violation, so they threw an extra strike at him. And right. at one point, uh, Jeff Nelson was the umpire, actually stepped away just to give him a chance to catch his breath. Um, I'll never know. Most of our listeners will never know. That moment I, that you walk, that they call your name now batting, Brett Boone. Well, I get called up the night before, and I didn't sleep much. I was getting packed. Uh, I wasn't sleeping. I made all my phone calls. I packed my bags. Uh, I was playing. Play I remember, mom play. Yeah, I remember playing solitaire all night, getting on the plane, and just that nervous energy. Like, I wasn't going to sleep. I got to the ballpark. Uh, had a bunch of press cause it was the third generation right. thing. I did my press. I went out, I hit batting practice. I came back in. This is when you took infield. I took infield and I was kind of in a fog. And I just remember, I, I, I think I was hitting second that night. No, I was hitting seventh. I hit behind Buner. And I just remember going out there in my first bat. And it's like, I remember Arthur Rhodes, my first minor league at bat. It was a couple years earlier. I remember this guy. He's got a really good heater. And so I went up there and, and, and actually I was relieved that my first at bat was going to be against a lefty. Okay. Cause you know, as a righty, you can see that, see the lefty a little bit better. So I was a little bit relieved, like, Oh, all right, just don't embarrass yourself. You told everybody on the plane that you were going to hit something hard somewhere. So you better come through. And I got to a good count and hit a bullet up the middle. And, and uh, here's the funny part. I get to first base. I forget who's playing first base. Anyway, oh, I round the, no, no. I, I round the bag. I come back. And the gentleman playing first looks at me and goes, well, kid. And they're throwing in my first. That's my first hit. They throw in the ball. And he says, kid. He said, you got 2,999 to go. And I remember looking at him saying, uh, thank you, sir. Almost said it like that. But in my brain going, he doesn't know. I'm going to get so many more hits than that. He has no idea. And that talk about being naive. <laughs> That's what I was thinking back then. Month and a half later, I'm hitting 198, sitting in my locker just going, the big leagues is really hard, man. The big leagues is really hard, but I do remember that first night. What's okay? So you brought it up for Drew Maji for a young Brett Boone. What's the what's the big difference between the two? I think everybody's seen the movie The Natural, um, where uh, the 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 ex science teacher Jim Morris toils through the minor leagues, gets called up in that moment that he walks into Texas, and you look and everything's bigger. Everything's brighter. What is what's the biggest thing that shocks you when you go to a big league clubhouse for the first time? Well, it's not necessarily the clubhouse. It's the the field is different, and especially back then, there was a big discrepancy between a minor league field and a big league field, surface wise. Right. But also, it's just the field is in the big leagues. In the minor leagues, it seems like everything's on top of you. You know, all the bleachers are as close to the field as they can be, and you feel like someone's on top. In the big leagues, it feels like you're out in a huge open space. It's different, and it takes a little bit of getting used to. It's not uh, even for me, you know, and they back then it was like, well, you grew up in the game and this and that. Yeah, I grew up in the game as a little kid being a pain in the ass. I didn't grow up when this was my job. I, I, I didn't. I haven't been around the game where this is my job. I'm like everybody else as a rookie right now. I, I've, you know, this is tough for me as well. So that was the big thing I noticed was uh, 
just a it's a bigger, op, much more open space than the minor leagues. And and the decks being stacked three high versus one uh, added a little bit of different dimension to it too. But everybody's got to make that adjustment. And and the ones that end up having careers at this game, they do it. It's a good feel good story. I mean that that's something. I think it's kind of cool the way the baseball community internally in the game responded to this guy who toiled for 13 years and finally made it. I think he, I think he had, it was a pin. He was pinch hitting for McCutcheon. So he was pinch hitting I, I think, for McCutcheon. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. McCutcheon. It is first, a- it is, it is first swing. I mean, he was just out in front of it, just by hit, just hit, a, hit just a foul, half yeah. second. Yeah. If he could have gotten Will Clark first home, first at bat home run, that would yep. have been uh, that would have been Hollywood. Uh, but it's one of the few. It's one of the the feel good stories we have going on in baseball right now. Hey, let, let's throw out a couple other feel good stories in baseball right now. Um, how about the Pitts? You know, so let's stay with Pittsburgh. How about the Pittsburgh Pirates and my man Derek Shelton? Pretty awesome. Uh, love the fact that that we're discussing the Pittsburgh Pirates. It seems like right. it's so long. Uh, Pittsburgh is a great city in a baseball city. And I remember once again, we'll go back to the childhood, the big bag buckos, uh, Dave, Parker, Dave Parker, Willie Stargell, Omar Moreno with that huge Afro in center field, Tim Foley at short. Uh, yep. those are, those are great memories. Madlock, Cobra great- to Colby. Madlock. Oh, Kent to Colby, uh, Bruce Keeson. Yep. We had, I'm trying to think. Stargell, uh, Cobra. Um, oh, the catcher was Bert, Bert Blylevin was Bert there. Blylevin. I forgot the Blylevin was there. Yeah, man, Manny Sangian. I mean, these Sanguian. are awesome times. No, getting past all that, I think it's great for the game of baseball. I wrote down a few. I, I think the Cubs winning is a great is a great story for Major League Baseball. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles are in it in the, in that tough division in the American League uh, American League East. The Texas Rangers with Bruce Bochy. Uh, coming out of retirement, you haven't heard about Texas. All you hear in that in that division is about the Houston Astros and the run they've been on. Texas is leading that division. Back to the Pirates. Uh, also, uh, Brian Reynolds signed to a one, two, three, four, nine-digit contract. When's the last time you heard a Pirate signing for a hundred million dollars? Right. That's cool stuff. I think it's great for the game to have all these all these uh, familiar uh, unfamiliar. Teams at the top, being at the top right now, who knows how long it'll last. But That's but nice. I think it, I think it's for the good for the game to to have them back in the mix. When's the last time the Orioles have been anywhere near contention? They're playing good. They've got some young players. Uh, They're fun to watch. Players. Last year they 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 showed you what the future is going to look like. This year, so far, so good. We'll see. It's going to be tough to win in that division, though. Um, I did want to bring something up. Uh, I went. I got a chance to see Otani play in person in Trout, and I gotta tell you, as much as you, I will accuse you of having a man crush on 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 Otani. Mm-hmm. It's even more palatable when you're there in the stadium, and the buzz and the excitement that he generates. And like you said, you know, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. I'm cheap but I would give my last dollar to see those two play. That's how exciting it was being in Anaheim, watching Shohei Otani, and, and just the buzz that he generated. I went in because I wanted to get a Bob Boone hat uh, before before the game. So we went in and bought a couple caps. 
in the team store during the day, and there's all these fans in there clamoring to find Otani gear, uh, Mike Trout gear. I mean, give me a one-two punch as powerful as Trout and Otani that we've seen in a long time. That's about as good as it gets. I, I think yeah. you. I think you've got to go back to maybe the Bash Brothers in in Oakland when McGuire and and Conseco were they were the talk of the town. It was Oakland's coming to town. The Bash Brothers are coming to town. I think now, uh, when wherever the Angels travel to, it's the Otani Trout. You know, Trout being for the last better part of the last decade, it, it's kind of been unanimous in the, in the circles of sports. That, that Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. Now he's got a little competition. And and it's really not fair because Trout can't pitch. <laughs> right. But what, you know, you're right. I, I'm not, I talk about Otani enough already. I'm not going to fanboy too much, but to, to see what I'm seeing, if you would have told me five years ago, Otani's going to be doing what he's, I'd say you're crazy. It's impossible. You can't do that at the highest level. You can't play quarterback and defensive and, and be a defensive lineman in the same game. And not only do that, but you need to be all pro at both. That's what Otani's doing. He's not hitting eighth, playing five days a week, and, and in that four, four or five spot in the pitching rotation, he's a number one starter. Right. And he's right there in the middle of your lineup. And by the way, right there at the end of the year, he's going to be one of the top guys in, in the home run and RBI category. Remarkable what we're seeing. And by the way, he'll mix in stealing a bag too. Uh, they were talking about today. I was watching Otani today. He's pitching today. And they were talking about uh, Nevin thinking about when he pitches, he's got to hit him either first or second because he wants to give him a breather. If he's right. hit third and he makes an out in the first inning, he's got to go pitch. So you're you're starting to determine, you know, make determinations of the of the starting lineup because how much rest you can give your three-hole hitter before he's got to take the mound. Pretty awesome. In in Phil Nevin has to make that decision that no other manager has to think about. Yeah, but I, I know Phil, and I think what you do in that situation is it's it's a group type right. thing. I'm sure I'm sure he's feeling out and, and talking with Shohei all the time, finding out, hey, what are you comfortable with? I want to put you in the best position I can put you in to succeed on a daily basis. Help me as much as you can so I can do that. When you're that special of a player, it's like, what can I do? Uh, do you want to pitch every fifth day, every sixth day? Uh, where do you like hitting in the lineup? What can I do to make to put us in position to succeed? So I'm sure there's a lot of feedback coming there. So so it's not like Phil's just making blind decisions. I mean, he's got feedback, and, and I'm sure it's going down the chain on how we how we get the maximum benefit out of out of this guy and what he's doing because it's so special. Help me out here. I, I got a chance to see what Otani was like in, in for one game in, in person, sitting in the stands like a fan. Now, I was in, in, in Tampa Bay. We had uh, Hideo Nomo towards the end of his career. Mm -hmm. So I got a chance to see what it was like around Nomo on a daily basis. We had Akinori Iwamura, who wasn't the superstar like Nomo or, 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 or Otani, but I still got to see what it was like for him with the Japanese fans and press. And then I saw Otani and it was just completely different. So I wanted to ask you, uh, you were around uh, Ichiro and you saw what Ichiro mania was like. Share with us what it was like 
when Ichiro burst onto the scene and just the international attention the Mariners had. Yeah, and and it was different circumstances. Ichiro was the first position player ever in the big leagues. And not only that, he was their biggest superstar at the time in Japan. Right. Maybe the biggest superstar since Sadahara O. Yeah. And he came out. So the fanfare was unbelievable. Uh, and I'm talking about 40 deep every day reporters spring tra- from from day one of spring training through the end of his first season. It seemed like anywhere, everywhere we go, there were 40 cameras on the line watching him do his warm up sprints. Um Different circumstances. I, I got a chance to face Hideo when he first came over. Uh, great competitor. Uh, kind of, he was the first guy. Ichiro, first position player. A lot of fanfare. Superstar player in Japan. Otani, different. Otani, not so much the fanfare that has anything to do with being Japanese or from Japan. Getting the fanfare because he's doing something nobody's ever done before. You know, the first Japanese players come over here and succeeded. The first pitcher, the first position player. There's been a lot of Japanese players. Some great Japanese players come over here now. We've seen Hideki Matsui. We've right, seen Sinjo. Right, we've seen it, a lot of guys come over. Right, but Hideki it's not about Rabu. Right, it's not about that anymore. It's about, no, yeah, he happens to be Japanese, but he's doing something we've never seen before, and, and he's probably the best player in baseball as we speak. Pretty, pretty, I don't know. I love it. All right, I'll stop fanning on him. I love it because no, I, I, I love the it's smile. It's spectacular being around it. I love the smile on his face because you yeah. can tell he's a good guy, but you can tell he knows he's doing something special. And it's just the look he gives that second baseman when he steals second. Right. Like he's very kind. He's very respectful. But at the same time, that second baseman's probably looking at him like, what are you? You're stealing he's bases huge. too. And, and he's kind of looking at him like, yep, I'm stealing bases too. I'm enjoying it. But at the same time, I realize how special this is. I think it's I think it's an unbelievable story. All right, I'm stop. I'm, I'm not being I, I, I'm I done think, fanning. I'm done fanning, Rich. I think we need to have I think we need to get Bo Jackson to the program. Yeah, Bo. Because we'll Bo, Bo does we'll everything and now Otani. So I, right. hey, listen, I, I, I'm, I, I work I, in marketing. I work in sports that. marketing. I Somebody said Bo needs to text. do Otani I, knows. I sent Bo a text. He said he will do it. But, oh, really? Uh, I told him I had to get back to him, and I, I'm I'm, I'm going to give him about a month. I'm going to okay. call him back. I'd love to have Bo on. Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I did almost buy a Bob Boom jersey. Why didn't you get one? They didn't well, have my size. Unless you're a tight ass. No, because last week you called me a fat ass, and I couldn't find a jersey that fit. Fat ass. Now you're a tight ass. <laughs> there you go. All right, I got a couple more things before we get out of here. I got to figure out what Boone's watching, uh, and I got a Boone approved. But um, <sighs> anything fun at the Boone house this week? I mean, last week you were off molding the minds of kids. I know I've been watching Jake Boone on his uh, on his video as he's driving to uh, join his team in Chicago. That's been fun. Uh, what else is going on at the Boone household this week? Well, one of the twins, Isaiah, I, I call him Isaiah the moron. He, he, he decided to put the car in reverse, but he forgot something in the house. But he was inside the garage, but it's an electric car. Okay, now, okay, wait, 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 you, you guys set this up. So Isaiah's in the garage. In the garage. In, in his, his, elec- in in his, his electric, little electric car. The Nissan Leaf. Right, okay. Which is silent. Right. He gets in. He starts the car. He puts it in reverse. He remembers, wait a minute. 
I forgot my phone charger because he was going to work and he likes to have his phone charger with him. He gets out of the car to go get his phone charger in the house and the car runs through the garage door. So now not not only does the back window shatter and he ruins because he can't tell where the car's running. Right. He ruins his, his mom's garage door. He blows out the window of his leaf. So I call, you know, I call the the guy that does the car work and I said, uh, what's going on? Uh, we got another, we got another uh, situation. We got another, we got another fender bender. So took the car in garage door guy came over. I think right now, as we speak, they're, they're installing the new garage door. And Isaiah's he's learning a lesson. I said, Isaiah, he works hard. He works down at the, at the gym, uh, close to my house here in San Diego. And I said, well, buddy, two thirds of your next five checks will go to me for the garage <laughs> door. So he's learning a tough lesson, but no, he's a good kid. And when you're disciplining your kids, it's, it's tough because sometimes I find myself going, I would have done the same thing. You know, I did worse than that, but it doesn't matter. I'm the dad now. I got to be, I, Hey, let's get, let's get down to business here. We can't be doing that. So last week, me, meanwhile, last I'm week thinking, Last, last week, week he lost the keys. He lost the keys. Yeah. So he had to. This week, that's like a that's like a uh, insurance commercial. But I'll tell Mayhem. you what. Uh, eventually, Rich and I learned that when he has to hand over two thirds of his check every time he gets paid, and he works hard. Right. He's going to start thinking. You know what? I better be more responsible. I'm sick of giving Dad all my money when I bust my butt at work. But but you've got to learn a lesson. I had to learn lessons. I'm sure Rich Herrera did. And I'll tell you what, Isaiah Boone's going to learn some lessons. Okay, now here's the worst part of all of this. Did you mention anything to your folks, and did they just laugh in your face? No, they won't laugh. I, I keep it. I, I just... I just put it out there in the world of the podcast, uh, but I don't oh, want to so tell my my parents. They'll give them a hard time. Well, they listen. I, I but I shield him from from criticism because I know my mom would be like Isaiah calling him. Yeah, Grammy, what do you need? Now I heard your father told me that you did this, this, and this, and and, and now he's going to look at me like, Dad, did you have to tell everybody? Well, little does he know he's on the podcast this week, so more people than normal are going to know. Because my my mom and dad are gone now, but they would they would do they would tell me um, treat, it, it serves you right. You get what you deserve. You know all the stupid stuff you did. I'm glad you're getting paid. This is payback for you being an idiot. Don't we always say it? Hey, you'll be a father one day, and you'll see how big of a pain in the neck you are. Yeah, that's that's what my mom and dad would tell me all the time when I would get frustrated. Well, guess what? Apple doesn't fall far from that tree. Right. What's the worst thing that you got in trouble for as a kid? You beat up Aaron. Uh, yeah, I beat up Aaron a few times. I, I I always took it easy on Aaron. As a kid, what did I get in trouble for? I I snuck away. My parents were out of town. Dad was still playing. I was in college. Uh, I went to Mammoth. I drove up there. My dad had just got a brand new Bronco. I wanted to take the Bronco. I think I was going up there. I had a date, and I didn't want to drive my raggedy old pickup truck. So I I took Dad's car. Drove it to Mammoth. Okay. On the way home, I had baseball practice. I needed to be back by a certain time. So we started the drive home. I did something to the gearbox. It would only go in reverse. 
the car. Something I did to the transmission. So I ended up backing down the freeway into a gas station. I said, I need to get this car fixed because I need to be home before dad finds out I took his car. <laughs> and I got to be a baseball practice. And he said, well, we can get it fixed, but it's not going to be till tomorrow. So back then we went to the private airport. I talked my way to, into one of those like prop planes where it was like, well, I'm, I'm headed here. And I'll, if you give me 500 bucks, I'll give you a ride home. I got a ride back to LA. My buddy picked me up and I had to pay my buddy to fly to Mammoth and drive my car home. Cause I think we had like a, like a, uh, weekend series with Arizona state and I couldn't go back up there. So I had to bite it. I mean, once I left the car there, I'm done. Because right now my parents are coming home. They're going to know anyway, but now I still, I'm responsible for getting the car home. So what am I going to tell my dad, dad, I just left your car up in Mammoth. So that's, that's probably the most trouble as much as I like to say, I was a pain in the neck. I probably was, but I didn't, I knew where that line was, you know, Rich, like I'd push my luck, push right. it right up to that line. And as soon as I saw the look in dad, mom and dad's eyes, like you're crossing the line, kid, I'd be like, boop. And I had the ability to back off. So how much did the car cost? Oh, I don't know. Cause I had to pay for it. And so dad was like, all right, well, here's the deal. What are you going to do? I said, well, I got this delivery, uh, I had a buddy that I would drive cars in LA. He he owned a paint shop and Toyota. He had a deal with Toyota where he would, he would draw like stripes on the side. It was the eighties. This was the pinstriping. He'd do the pinstriping and I was the mover and the shaker. So I'd pick the car up, bring it to this dealership, go from that dealership to here, bring them back cars to be painted. Uh, but he paid me good money. And yeah, I had to believe me. I had to, uh, pay for the entire car what it cost to get fixed uh i had to pay for most of my stuff i mean you know i always my my buddies would you know they'd get new cars and they're 16 and they're like your dad plays in the big leagues he plays for the angels what are you going to get a porsche mercedes i said well no dad made a deal with me i i, I get a job and i'm going to detail cars in the summer this is when i was 15 years old and at whatever money I made, he was going to match it, go to the car auction and bring me back. You know, at the time I wanted this four wheel drive truck, raise it up. That was cool in the eighties. Right. Right. Get those Toyotas, get the big tires. Like dad, give me that four by. He comes back with this, this diesel orange truck that wasn't even four wheel drive. It, it was lowered, not raised. And I was pissed. I'm like, I worked. He's like, Oh, it was a really good deal. Really good deal. But. That's how it worked. But I, in the end, good lesson. I, I earned all my stuff. I love it. All right. Well, so I just want you to remember that. With Isaiah. <laughs> I, I do. I do. I do. I, I give him a hard time, but he, he's a good kid. He just, he's got to learn some lessons. Um, Real quick, before we get out of here, this is going to be a staple of the turning two with Booney. Uh, what's Boone watching this week? Well, last week I told, let's see, uh, Night Agent, I finished really good. Really good? Real, is it worth my time? It is worth your time. Succession's a classic. Everybody out there that knows the succession we're watching, it's great. Getting on my nerves, though. A little too much sarcasm. It's not funny to me anymore. But something happened, and I won't, I won't reveal this to the crowd that isn't caught up on the succession. Something major happened. There was a major turn of events. Uh, which intrigued me maybe to watch, uh, continue to watch, because I was getting to the point where I might not watch this anymore. You but, almost disengaged. 
something happened that now I've got to see how it how they behave after this particular incident. I won't reveal it. Tell you what, you know how you get to the end of Netflix and it says, if you like this, go right. here. Well, that's how I got to Night Agent. Success, uh, no, Terminalist. Terminalist remember? got you to Night Agent. To Night Agent. Night Agent said, if you like this, you'll like, and it got me to the show. I'm watching Bodyguard. I just finished it actually last night. I'm a binge watcher, if you haven't noticed. Right. So I started watching Bodyguard. It's 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 uh, British. Uh, really good. Really good about gentlemen. There's a bombing situation on a train. He talks the girl out of it. Next thing you know, he, he gets all these awards. Now he's going to be a bodyguard for one of the high people in parliament. And it's just a lot of twists and turns. But in the end, really well done. It's on Netflix. Really good. Do you control the remote? Yes, I do. You don't let anybody else touch it? They can go to the other TVs. <laughs> you have to do the kids. Hey, I'm watching this. Kids go in the other room. Go in the other room. Yes. All right. Uh, but, you know, I'm easy. I'm easy. I, I, I don't. We have our shows that we right. watch in the evening. Chris and myself will watch uh, whatever, you know, I like if we're watching a show together, I won't go ahead and watch another episode without you get in so trouble we, for we, that. We kind of have that our thing in the evenings, but she really liked it, too. All right. All right. So that's uh, the, the latest recommendation of what Boone's watching. It's called The Bodyguard. 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 Good. Right. Bodyguard. Yes. Let's leave everybody with this. I have a question for you. When I was in Anaheim, yes, I tried to buy the Bob Boone jersey, but they didn't have my size. I did, by the way, go to the uh, Lexus Club for the All You Can Eat Buffet. That's why I really couldn't. Well, then you really the can't. Get, then you really can't get one. Right, exactly. Right. But it was delicious. Um, <laughs> but I did notice they came out with their City Connect jerseys. You know the ones I'm talking about the. The, the different alternative jerseys. Right. Right. Uh, they came out with theirs. Pretty sharp looking. Texas came out with theirs. Black pants, white shirt with a black TR and old English lettering, I think. The Padres have theirs that look like um, uh, it's pink and green and uh, floral colors. A um, lot of different jerseys. A lot of different alternative jerseys. So I want to know. Alternative jerseys, City Connect jerseys, are they Boone approved? I'm going to have to say Boone approved, and this is why. What? Yes. I can take it from two different two different uh, situations. From a player standpoint, we hate it. We don't like wearing alternative jerseys. We like our home jersey. We like our road jersey. There's an occasional pitcher, and that's why I don't get along with pitchers, that want to wear that alternative jersey when they pitch on Thursday night. Wait, you got to explain this to folks. Okay. When I was in uh, my last team, pretty much, was the Seattle Mariners. We right. had the classic home whites, the gray away. We had an alternative jersey at that time. was just a blue, kind of a, right. like our, our practice pullover looked. That's why I didn't like it. I like the traditional whites, traditional gray. That's what I feel good in. That's what I feel like I'm going to play well in. Most players do. Then you come along with this third jersey, and management kind of puts the word, hey, we'd like to see you to mix in the the third, the uh, the alternative, alternative jersey. jersey. So we made a decision. It was up to the pitcher. Now, no pitchers on that staff 
like the alternative jersey, except for one. And one of my buddies, Jamie Moyer, and I used to yell at him, don't wear that stupid jersey anymore. I almost started pulling for him to lose so we wouldn't wear it. But I never liked hitting in it. I didn't like anything about it. So from a player standpoint, most of the time, the players like what they feel good in. And usually that's your basic home that you're given. You've been wearing for 100 years, white at home, gray on the road. That's what players like. But I think from a baseball standpoint, uh, baseball as a whole, to to include everybody, I think that the goofy jerseys and the alternative jerseys, I think, they, jerseys. I think they appeal to a different group of, of potential baseball fans, if that makes sense. I think, I think somebody that has nothing to do with uh, watching Major League Baseball, they see those, I want one of those jerseys. Next thing you know, they get one of those jerseys. Next thing you know, they have the jersey on, so they got to watch their team. I think it's positive for Major League Baseball. So I'm going to supersede what I felt as a player and say Boone approved. Okay, so now you have it. Tell the folks uh, at Nike and Fanatics, the City Connect jerseys are hashtag Boone approved. You got it. All right, that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. We want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, we we don't do this enough. Uh, now that we're on the new platform and uh, the folks at Odyssey have been so good to us, you can get the podcast now on the Odyssey app. Real easy favorite just pops right there and lets me know that there's a new edition coming out. Um, we need to remind people, in order to grow the podcast, and we've got so many great listeners, please do us a favor. If you don't mind, if you have time, can you please give us a five-star rating if you really like the podcast? Um, if you could please give us some feedback of what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast, guests that you'd like to have us see. So whether you're uh, at Apple or Odyssey or wherever you get your podcast, if you could give us a rating, give us a review, let us know how we're doing, and we could keep improving the podcast. So that way when I get somebody like Ernie who listens to the podcast, Wow, Ernie getting a shout out. Uh, Ernie, give us a give us a rating. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Mike, who who is our producer, when we're done, he cut him out because we don't want to give Ernie any any props. He's a <laughs> he's a mean man. He's a mean man. So if you could give us, <laughs> you're so funny. If you could give us a, a rating and uh, and a and a and a review, we'd appreciate it. it helps us grow the podcast. So, uh, Brett Booth, thank you so much. You got it, Rich. We'll see you in a week. We'll see you in a week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This is the Boone Podcast, turning to with Booney.